everybody it's your boy fatal from fatal affair and fatal fanfare and fatal foils we now have a show on spotify stitcher google and apple find us wherever you get your podcasts and thanks for supporting the show this is part two of our two-part e3 coverage fatal fanfare enjoy Yes, 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 it is me. It is your boy, Fatal. And we're doing part two of our Fatal Fanfare involving E3 coverage. There is just so much to do, so much to read about, so much involved in what's going on all weekend. Things like this typically deserve two-parters. Uh, part ones, part twos, hell, give them seven parts for everything that's coming out. The developers that work for years and years on these games definitely deserve all of the attention. Um, working through pandemics, <clears throat> working through all of this struggle that the year has presented us, and still, with the public in mind, we get these very people of professionalism delivering us quality content that can keep us busy in times of entertainment droughts, in times where we can't go to the movie theaters, in times when maybe all we have is the free-to-play game Warzone on whatever console you may be able to find that 200 gigabyte excursion. I know they shrank it just a little bit, but still not enough for my liking. Anyway, I'll be playing Apex later. We're going to deep dive into the second part of E3 coverage and discussion, but more so than that, we're going to be doing a deep dive with the deep end. We, in the part one, mentioned that coming to Netflix is Kevin Smith's adaptation for He-Man and Masters of the Universe coming uh, this year, coming in July, actually. So we figured it'd be only right to inform you on the character of He-Man. So thanks for sticking with us as part two in our two-part series two-part episode, more so, and we'll try not to let you down. So for more E3 discussion, I wanted to get into something about Guardians of the Galaxy. Do you think it'll work? I don't know. Eidos Montreal let us know that in the Guardians of the Galaxy adaptation to the very successful Marvel Cinematic Universe, we'll be able to play as just Star-Lord versus a massive roster from the Avengers game that we saw get released last year. But we also saw a War for Wakanda DLC that's hoping to breed new life into that game. A little ahead of the Guardians of the Galaxy video game release, I'm wondering if Guardians of the Galaxy is going to deliver everything Avengers could not. With such a massive character roster, it's really hard to focus on skill trees. It's really hard to focus on things of that nature and pushes for endgame content. But with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and the choices that get made, the replayability is almost innately natural. Guardians of the Galaxy featuring you playing a Star-Lord main protagonist with a fully fleshed out skill tree using the element gun and creating friendships amongst the team. And maybe even more so than that in the extended MCU proper, we get characters coming from the far reaches of the comic book world, much like how the Deadpool adaptation, you got kind of Cable, you got Rogue, you got Mr. Sinister, Wolverine, you got all these Deadpool-esque characters that were licensed at the time, sure. But in their comic book fashion, they shined brighter than ever. We had Domino and Psylocke bending over from the perspective of Deadpool. This is an explicit podcast. I can say that, so I want you to imagine it. It is nuts. 
I love it. And those women are incredibly attractive, especially to Wade Wilson. But, I mean, he looks like a freaking roadmap. So, whatever. Guardians of the Galaxy featured incredible 80s-style soundtracks and very MCU-style uh, nature. Very MCU-proper-type soundtrack. It was I Need a Hero, and I guess we're that hero. We're going to embody Star-Lord trying to mass-effect our way through the MCU, through the Marvel Universe, in their new ever-growing gaming franchise. I also wanted to talk about Halo Infinite yet again. It's a very interesting approach to go into that game free to play because a game like halo was a launch title i'm assuming what was it back oh i'm gonna get it wrong september 2001 i believe and then again later in november 2004 was halo 2's release i'm going off memory here but we also got you know halo 3 2007 and halo 4 2011 almost three years four years within each iteration of the game we see a delay which has happened before in the franchise um in very very minute instances but with the return of halo infinite it's a different ball game because you have games like battlefield 2042 coming out which is a very grounded and futuristic look at the military that resides in our current world you know something feasible something tangible uh something within reach of fantasy concept but when you're reigniting this history of at this point at this standing a 20th anniversary style game i mean sure you can give a new kid like a like a next generation kid a 10 year old kid contra but is he gonna have the same experience as you playing contra i can't vouch for that i can't testimony to that but with halo in the return of the master chief you kind of see that struggle in halo 5 with spartan Locke having to arrest the master chief for his military deeds the things that he left unchecked the things he left untied so in this installment master chief's returning to tie up his loose ends in the form of cortana's ghost cortana is rampant within the universe and leaving a trail of dead bodies master chief you can't stand for that as a hero you've always been a morally great hero especially as a child soldier but John Spartan 117's always had that upper moral ground, that high ground, and especially as from our first person perspective, supposed to be doing the right thing, staying on the action of duty. I can't wait to see where that goes in the paid campaign for Halo, but involving a free multiplayer within the title, that's, that's handing money to Bungie, to 343, from people who never even wanted to play Halo. Just because it's free. I have people coming up to me more often than not saying, can we play a game? What games do you have in common? What games are cross-play? Halo's not a cross-play game, but it is on Xbox Game Pass, which makes it compatible with PC users. That's almost, I wouldn't even say double, but I would say at least one-third of an increase to your player base. In the form of Halo, people were clamoring for Halo PC adaptations since Halo 1, and when they finally gave it to them, Halo 2 was still all the rage in releasing DLC packs on discs, in stores, still. Remember Rock Band 1 DLC song packs? They were released in stores, as discs. So it's just a crazy step forward to allow a download-only free multiplayer title in the form of both a battle royale and I'm assuming some multiplayer game modes coming from 343 Industries, especially with how hard they worked reworking the Halo game. I'm very excited to see what comes. The grappling hook, I'm so excited to see what comes. The, the, I just want to stick somebody again with a plasma grenade. Anyway... Everybody who came for the He-Man deep dive, and thank you for listening to part two of this two-part episode. In part one, we had to dismiss the deep end for light of a tighter show, 
and more E3 coverage, because my goodness it was extensive, but now, just in the same extensivity, we are going to deep dive He-Man. So by the power of Grayskull, <laughs> I have the power to bring you the He-Man deep dive. Let's do it. Oh yeah, in 1976, Mattel CEO Ray Wagner declined a deal to produce a toy line of action figures based on the characters from George Lucas' film Star Wars due to the $750,000 license required up front to use the likeness of these toys. Thus came He-Man! A barbarian from an Eternian tribe where the planet's inhabitants are dealing with the aftermath of the Great War, which devastated civilizations that once ruled supreme. The wars left behind advanced machinery and weapons known only to select people of this world. An early incarnation of the sorceress of Castle Grayskull gave He-Man some of these weapons and he set out to defend the secrets of Castle Grayskull from the evil Skeletor. He-Man is a fictional superhero of the main character of the sword and sorcery themed Masters of the Universe, which includes a toy line, several animated television series, comic books, featured films. He-Man's characterized by his superhuman strength and in most variations by his alter ego prince adam it's not just the super strength that drives he-man though he's also known to be able to use these mystical and sorcery type weapons to create transformations out of some of the peers and the the creatures around him allowing him to make his at his 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 partner his sidekick cringer into the animal known as battle cat the sword raised in Prince Adam's hand gives him the power of Grayskull, striking the tip of his sword with lightning, imbuing him with the abilities of ancestors beyond from the realm of Eternia. He's also joined by sidekick's Man at Arms, which is He-Man's closest companion and a companion to the Eternian royal family as an innovator of technology and weapons. He also sees Prince Adam without using his He-Man abilities as a much lazier form of Adam, constantly wanting to mentor him or piccolo him in a sense to become his greatest form he's also joined by the beautiful and strong tila tila is the daughter of a sorceress who allows her which allows her powers beyond prince adam's current understanding or even he-man's understanding causing a great left field type character to assist him in battle especially when magic is involved he-Man and his friends attempt to defend the realm of Eternia and the secrets of Castle Grayskull from the evil forces known as Skeletor and his friends, also known as Beast-Man and a whole ragtag group of villains, somebody even named Evil-Lynn. Evil-Lynn. Evelyn? Evelyn. <laughs> He-Man uh, has gone through so many iterations, going from France to Sweden and everything else, that even Skeletor can be known as Musklore. A muscly Skeletor type version of his name. He-Man's arch enemy Skeletor is a blue-skinned sorcerer with a yellow skull for a head, wearing a hood. He is skilled in black magic in all forms of combat. He is fucking Jack Diesel as well. He was also shown to be extremely cunning and intelligent and revealed in an animated motion picture, He-Man and She-Ra, the secret of the sword. Skeletor was Hordak's right-hand man until his capture allowed Skeletor to take the throne in Snake Mountain. Skeletor is accompanied by a group of henchmen who aid his evil schemes. The character was initially presented as an evil demon from another dimension. In general, his origins were not as important as his evil motives. However, the introduction 
introduction to Hordak as Skeletor's former teacher provided a brief glimpse into the past. Near the end of the original Masters of the Universe franchise, it was hinted that Skeletor might have once been Keldor, the brother of He-Man's father, King Randor. The development of Skeletor's backstory as a dashing, ambitious villain played heavily into his characterization in the 2002 relaunch of the franchise. Ray Wagner declined a deal to produce a toy line of the action figures based on Star Wars, allowing for He-Man to keep the iconic blonde bowl cut that Luke Skywalker originally had, and a lot of his more flamboyant costumes, recoloring them in fashions of pink, purple, and any other cheap color it was uh, kind of abundant in the 1980s. During the 1980s, rumors claimed that Conan the Barbarian was the source of inspiration for the He-Man character, but as we've later learned, it was more Sky Luke Skywalker. He's the son of King Randor and Queen Marlena, who is actually an Earthling that King Randor claimed as his queen. He, uh, they both rule the Kingdom of Eternia, and he is in line for that throne. He-Man was characterized as possessing super speed, indestructible skin, superhuman strength, and the extent of that strength is still unknown. He has, however, thrown Castle Grayskull through an interdimensional portal with his bare hands. He's also been described as having telekinesis and telepathy to communicate with his sister, She-Ra, in different realms and uh, locations within the franchise universe. His primary weapon is also a sword. He can use other, sword, uh, other weapons such as laser guns that he's used in the film and many comics. He can use a battle axe, a shield, many other equipment, including vehicles. His sword is indestructible and can deflect bolts of magical energy. He-Man's prowess is not limited to his strength. He can be very acrobatic, demonstrating that he can run insanely fast and escape explosions in the form of becoming a tornado or front-flipping or back-flipping away from the explosion. He-Man can leap. He's got hops for days. He can leap through the air several times before landing safely on his feet like a jungle cat. He's used his genius-level intellect to outsmart his adversaries, much like his original form, Prince Adam, without the super strength, he resorts to cleverness, he resorts to intellect to outsmart his enemies on the battlefield. We've already stated that he can transform Cringer, his longtime companion and crazy-looking fucking human-sized panther, into a green and orange Cat called Battle Cat, which wields armor just as indestructible as He-Man himself, ready and armed to the teeth for battle and combat. He-Man is being adapted into a Netflix series by the director Kevin Smith of Clerks fame. I can't wait. In the trailer, we see very 1980s nostalgia iconography of Skeletor, who is voiced by Mark Hamill in the upcoming Netflix series. It's, it's gonna be nuts. It's gonna take reference from... All sorts of He-Man works, starting from the 1987 film Masters of the Universe, to the 1990 New Adventures of He-Man, to the 2002 Masters of the Universe versus the Snake Men, all the way to Masters of the Universe Classics in 2008. That is our He-Man deep dive, high and tight, baby. He-Man is going to be flipping epic. I have the power! Tune into Netflix's brand new He-Man Masters of the Universe Revelation coming July on Netflix. Anything else at the end of this show? I just want to say let's get into some TVs and movies before we end. So you have something to look forward to between Masters of the Universe. And especially now that E3 is over, you're going to need something to watch without the consistent alerts and Twitter notifications from all over the gaming industry you'll be able to catch june 16th the hitman's wife's bodyguard coming 
to movies. We get Us Season 1 and Physical Season 1. June 20th and June 18th on TV. Those are our TV releases. You know, considering that E3 is still going on and I just got to see Metroid, I really... I couldn't get into movie and TV this week because I was so busy consistently watching all of these different things. Go watch in preparation for the Green Lantern. Go watch some of the DC works that are on HBO Max. Maybe Justice League War. Get excited with Hal Jordan's character before maybe you see some of the flashbacks involving Alan Scott and his uh, homosexual romance in the HBO Max groundbreaking series by J.J. Abrams. And go look at all the E3 highlights that we had, man. Go look at Guardians of the Galaxy and get super hyped. Take a look at Drax's tattoos and tell me if those are a little more on canon for a modernization of Drax, you know? Like, I want to see something that makes more sense from a tattoo artist to put onto Drax, unless that's just paint. I really never got the, the canon on that. Groot looks absolutely nuts wielding armor, and not all of it seems to be from his body. He's actually using outside materials, which seems a little foreign for the character. Rocket Raccoon looking like a hippie mechanic. I am insanely freaking down for this. We got Super Mario Golf. What was it? Superstar? And that just looked like a Super Mario game involving golf clubs. You're walking around full Mario open world levels, or at least instanced levels, you know, playing freaking golf. But I would hope that there's a multiplayer involved in this game, so it seems more like a race against time, or a race against something involving a, a duty, or a vendetta, or a mission, or a goal. But for the most part, it just looks like a freaking fun four-player party game. You know, that's it. And I guess I'll just end by saying Monkey Ball 20th Anniversary. <laughs> oh man something you never asked for but they're still gonna give you so that's fatal fanfare part two on e3 coverage and our he-man deep dive i appreciate everybody who supports the show and support the show further by following us on google spotify apple and stitcher it's been your boy fatal affair for twitch.tv slash fatal affair and you can find us on twitter at fatal affair cast if you like this show and many others like it, keep a lookout for Fatal Affair. Sit high and tight on the show. You know, thank you for freaking being here, man. We didn't have to do a part two, but you definitely stayed around and supported it. Thanks for being at the end of the show. Catch us next week when we deep dive further with some more gay spotlights for June. It's been your boy Fatal, and I'm out of here. Later. <laughs>